0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good to see everybody today. What a joy to have you. You're glad to be in church today. Isn't it an honor? It's an honor to be in the house of the Lord today. I'm going, I'm going to begin a little something today that's going to carry this month. Now, next Sunday is Mother's Day. Wow, wow, we're going to honor moms next week, and uh, we have a special speaker coming next week for you. I live with her. She's married to me, and she is my best friend, and she's going to speak. She speaks once a year. She says that's too much, but if you've never heard Patty Johnson speak, you're in for a wonderful blessing. She will make you laugh. She will absolutely entertain you with the Word of God, and it will be an awesome, awesome out-of-the-box thought that she'll bring i promise that so next sunday we're going to hear miss patty and then uh wednesday night we have got a surprise for you i'm not going to tell you what it is i got a surprise for you you say oh pastor it's bluebell no it's not bluebell (laughs) oh it's 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 chocolate chip cookies no it's not chocolate chip cookies i know i do that it's watermelon no it's not watermelon i know i do that but we've got a surprise for you that i think you might want to be around for so i'm just going to hold it like that we're going to have a little christmas here in the middle of may right here on Wednesday night would you stand you're awesome people and as you're standing I want to give honor to Debbie Gonzalez and her her daughter Lori is in the house today and their dear friend Amy's in the house today And and, and, and Debbie was one of my very first secretaries right here at this church and she and her husband moved away to Dallas and we miss them and they're back in church today would you give them a hand of appreciation today that's good stuff Amen. And also today, I want to give a shout-out to Dennis and Norma Wade. Dennis and Norma sitting up in the balcony today. Uh, Dennis has been here, and Norma, they've been here a long time, and we had a little crying session in the foyer today. Uh, Dennis found a job that's transferring him to Oklahoma, and this will be their last service with us today today. And I honor them. They have been quality, quality, top-notch Christians as well as dear, dear friends. And we're going to miss them. And I told them today, I said, you'll have another pastor in that town in Oklahoma. I'm not even going to call the name of it. I don't want to give it credit, all right? But I said, you'll have another great pastor in that town, but you won't have anybody that loves you any more than I have and we hugged and we cried and we we embraced. And I, I love these folks, and I want you to give them a great hand and shake their hand after the church. It's hard to say goodbye. I'm starting a little something today called too good to be true. Too good to be true. And I'm going to preach today. If it seems too good to be true, it's probably God. I'm going to talk to you today. I've got something in my heart. Thank you for being such an attentive audience. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the preacher. And you may be seated. God bless your awesome, awesome people. This Friday I I saw a couple with their first child in the hospital, South Austin. And the look in both of their eyes told it all. The radiant glow on their faces manifested it. A baby girl, the first child, had made her appearance. Landry Grace is her name. Mama was so proud, still in a little pain, daddy protective, all beaming. I got to hold it, and I glowed. It was a too-good-to-be-true moment for them. In 1981, my wife Patty and I had a conversation at the Hobby Airport in Houston, Texas. And I asked her that evening, we had not even had a date yet, but I asked her that evening as her parents and she dropped me off at the airport, I asked her that evening as she came in, I said, if I, if I reach out to you, are you in this for the long haul? Are you in it for a lifetime? Are you in it forever? I will not date you just to date. I have too much at stake and she said yes and smiled and we held hands and she went to the car no sugar (laughs) and I went around the corner to catch a plane back to Dallas oh and I also leaped and I spun around and I clapped my hands and I danced. And I think I spoke in an unknown tongue or something. I- <laughs> and when I got home, I immediately went and bought an engagement gift for her that day or the next. And carried it around with me everywhere I went, waiting for a signal from her. That three-word letter 3, letters, three signal from her. Then one night, a month and a half or so later... Out of nowhere, it happened at Bennigan's of all places in Humble, Texas. And she looked across the table and took my hand and said, Rex, I love you. And after picking myself up off the floor, I said to her, do you love me enough to marry me? Do you want to become Mrs. Patty Johnson? And she said, yes. And I pulled out the engagement gift. I got it here right now. You think it's a ring? Because I was absolutely stunned. I gave her a watch. Because I wanted her to, every time she thought what time it was, I wanted her to say, I'm going to get married to the man who bought me this watch. I'm a genius. That's pretty sharp. I don't care who you are. I don't know phones, but I know this. You need to come talk to me, man, if you're in pursuit. See, now you you must remember the persons we're talking about here. I was stunned. I know I know some of you find it hard to believe that I was stunned, but I was thinking, is this really happening? It was too good to be true. We're talking about a young man here who had gone through a tragic event in his life. We're talking about a minister who had a six-year-old daughter that had lost a mom and a brother in that tragedy. We're talking about a pastor who pastored a church that had adored his first wife and would another wife to this pastor be accepted in that church. And we're talking about a man who was looking at a lady that could have had The pick of just about anyone she wanted because she was beautiful, and she was funny, and she was adored by everybody. I mean all people that knew her loved her, and they still do today. She had that likability factor big time. She was pretty. She was pure. She was a daughter of a wonderful pastor. She was the sweetest peach (laughs) in all of Humble Slash Houston. And she's embarrassed right now, but I'm preaching, and she'll get to talk next week. She can talk about me. But a beautiful, virtuous lady that did not have to take the baggage of life's heartaches and pain that I carried. A lovely, caring, generous person that could have started from the beginning with someone else who was absent from the pain that I possessed, void of what I carried in me and on me. We're talking about me here. We're talking about her. Can I be honest, really honest? I've never been mistaken for Robert Redford. Or Tom Cruise. I think I look as good as him. <laughs> or Paul Newman. Or oh God, this one really hurts. Tom Selleck. <laughs> Get off my screen, Selleck. <laughs> and even though people, <laughs> even though people kind of bragged on my singing Wednesday night. I can't sing like Michael Buble. And I don't have the shake like Harry Connick Jr. And I don't have the hair of Keith Urban. She loves them all. She loves them all. She loves them all. And yet, this beautiful, kind-hearted, caring, and gorgeous young lady that could have taken her pick of first-time husbands with no baggage was telling me She loved me. It was beyond my comprehension. It was above my ability to fathom. It was completely outside the realm of possibility that Patty Joyce Jones would love Rex Johnson and my sweet six-year-old daughter, Misty. It was simply too good to be true. Five Sundays later, I'm still lingering about the resurrection in my thoughts and I got to reading in Luke 24 early this week and there's a story of three women who went to the tomb on resurrection morning no this is not an Easter sermon and they were greeted by two men dressed in shining garments and they told the women that Jesus was no longer there they simply said why seek ye the living among the dead he is risen and the women went back to the 11 and told them about the experience Now, I want to stop here and say it bothers me. It really does. Not that women were at the tomb first. That's not what bothers me. Because their reason being there was not to witness the resurrection, it was to anoint the body. They didn't go for the right reason. But it bothers me that these women were first there in the morning, and the 11 disciples that had walked with him and heard him, heard him talk, heard him preach, heard him tell, they were not there, they were hiding. Then when the women told the eleven, the disciples did not even believe them because, as the Bible said, their words seemed to them like nonsense. In fact, the King James Version said it was like idle tales. And having read this before, I looked at this passage how absolutely obtuse and thick-headed those disciples were. But that's not all that takes place on this resurrection day. Peter goes, the Bible said in Luke, back to the tomb to check it out for himself He wants to double-check the story, make sure women are not hallucinating, make sure they're not telling something that they really did not see. Maybe they wanted it so bad they just saw it. And when he looked inside, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. Then verse 12 of chapter 24 said, He left wondering in himself what's going on. Later in Luke chapter 24, two followers of Jesus actually walk with him on a road called Emmaus for several miles. And they break bread with him. And when they break bread, they recognize him for who he is. This is the risen Savior on the third day. And the Bible says in verse 33 of 24 that they got up the same hour and returned at once to Jerusalem after Jesus had vanished from their sight. And they returned to Jerusalem to tell the others about this amazing encounter. And while they were in the midst of their story, verse 39 said, Jesus himself stood among them and showed them his hands and his feet. And verse 41 said, they still did not believe. Can I tell you who did believe that he would rise? This baffles me. The people that sentenced him believe he would rise. The people that beat him with, with whips believed he would rise. The people that crowned him with thorns believed he would get up. The people that made the cross, him to carry the cross and killed him and buried him, they believed he would rise because they rolled a stone in front of the grave and sealed it with the governor's seal. They put guards there to guard it. Oh, they believed. But the people that should have believed the most did not believe. And I used to think that the disciples were dull spiritually. And maybe they were. But I also think there's something else going on here. I think they were having this experience similar to the one I had at Bennigan's one night in Humble, Texas when Patty said yes. I think they were so overwhelmed by something so wonderful, so incredible, so beyond comprehension that they literally could not believe it. It was simply too good to be true. For the last 72 hours their lives had been in the pits. They had been hidden away. They had been locked, hiding behind locked doors and afraid of tomorrow and disappointed. And their nerves were frayed and their spirits were broken. And they were angry that they even chose to follow this Messiah because now he was gone. But Jesus had spoken many times that he was going to be killed and he would rise the third day. But try to imagine the heartache, the fear, the disappointment, all the overwhelming negative emotions that would be assaulted the, the disciples. From this time, Jesus was taken from Gethsemane with Roman soldiers on either side. He was brought before Herod then he was placed before Pilate then back to Herod to be beaten by the soldiers then forced to carry his own cross and having nails driven through his hands and feet and a crown of thorns on his head and to utter utter those heart-wrenching words my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The disciples were already in shock had no answers, believed nothing that they had heard it's no wonder that upon seeing the resurrected Jesus they simply experienced a shock of a different sort. Their eyes see him and their ears hear him But they cannot take it in. It's too wonderful. Say it's too wonderful. For them to believe. It's beyond their comprehension. It's just too good to be true. But Luke goes on further in verse 41. And here's where I want to start preaching. And while they still did not believe it. The next phrase said because of joy and amazement. Wow. Can I say that those disciples were giddy. They were absolutely giddy. How long has it been since you've gotten giddy? How long has it been since you've got so beside yourself at something God's done in your life that you just got flat out giddy? We have lost the giddiness in our life. We have lost that moment of too good to be true. We have lost what I call this joyously amazed, disbelieved excitement. I I call it an acronym called JADE. We have lost the JADE in our life. Notice, I will tell you, these disciples were not suffering from a syndrome. They were experiencing a syndrome of joyously amazing, disbelieving excitement. And they were experiencing an event. An occurrence, a pouring out of the grace of God in their life that was so amazing and caused them so much joy. It was simply too good to be true. Clap your hands if you've ever had one of those moments. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. I saw grandparents bring grandkids in today and they're smiling. I saw... James and Gloria walk in today having been the grandfather and grandmother of the first grandchild. And I said, what's it like? And they couldn't even talk. It was beyond measure because they're so giddy over a fact that somebody has given them a, a chance to be a grandpa and a grandma. You see what I'm saying? There's sometimes, folks, in life when things happen in your life, it's just too good to be true. And when it is, it's probably God. God. In other words, their disbelief was not based on doubt. It was based on reality of something so fantastic that they just could not simply comprehend it. It took me back to Bennigan's in 1981, the same feeling happened to me when I was picking myself up off the floor. And I also experienced that syndrome again, that joyously feeling again in November 22, 1983, when... Baby Cassidy was born, and then August the 2nd, 1986, when I held baby Caitlin in my arms for the first time and counted their fingers and toes to make sure they had the right number. And intellectually, I understood the process of birth. But when I was holding each of those newborn baby girls, I still just couldn't believe it. It was beyond my comprehension that God would bless my life again in such an abnormal way. But a splendid way, those tiny, wiggling, beautiful baby girls along with that proud little older sister that was saying, Daddy, I got me a sister now. I got two sisters now. And they're all so tight. They're all so close. And here I was getting to experience that too good to be true feeling again. Imagine. I'm going to preach, folks. Imagine how... Sarah and Abraham must have felt when they held Isaac for the first time. Genesis chapter 17, God had promised Abraham that through Sarah he would be the father of many nations. And yet Sarah had not borne any children and she was 90 and Abraham was 100. They must have wondered where God was. They must have experienced disappointment and heaviness of heart when they grew past the age of childbearing. And she still had not didn't have a male heir that she was, that, that, that they had been expecting. And then one day God said to Abraham in Genesis 17, he said, tell, ask for Sarai, S-A-R-A-I, your wife. You're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name shall be called Sarah, Jehovah, God is with her now. And I will bless her and I will surely give you a son by her. And they had one of those two good to be true moments there was no way that Abraham could comprehend or fathom the joy and amazement of this miracle that God was promising to perform in their life. In fact, the Bible records his response this way. Abraham fell face down and he laughed to himself. And he said, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah bear a child at 90? Can you imagine him on the ground saying, ha, ha, eek, 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 eek. What would Sarah and the girls say? Would you believe that that child was born and they held it? And Abraham and Sarah had one of those two good to be true moments. And they realized that it was God, not probably God, it was God. I'm declaring to this congregation today that God's got some too good to be true moments waiting on every one of you. He's, he's got it waiting on every one of you. And you need to get giddy about the goodness of God that he has for you and your life. And they named that child Isaac because in Hebrew that name means laughter. And they laughed 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 and they laughed. And And Abraham and Sarah aren't the only Bible characters to experience the TGTBT, the too-good-to-be-true moment. Imagine the moment when David came in and there was a man waiting with six gallons six quarts of oil to pour on his head to anoint him as a king or think of the incredible amazement that Peter must have experienced when Jesus invited him to step out of a boat on a stormy night say come on big boy walk to me I'm feeling it right now or consider how Naaman in the Old Testament must have felt a captain of the Syrian army but he had leprosy When a prophet said, go dip seven times in the Jordan River, when he came up that sixth time, it was still there. But when he came up the seventh time, it was gone. And he made this statement, I thought, I thought I knew what it's all about, but now I know there's no God like the God of Israel. Come on. Or what about Moses and the Hebrew children? when they saw the waters of the Red Sea part and they were able to walk across on dry land come on now or the young girl whom Jesus raised in Luke chapter 8 Jesus said to the little girl that the little girl wasn't dead but only asleep and they laughed at him and after he raised her from the dead Luke records one of the greatest understatements in the entire Bible when he said her parents were astonished it wasn't the fact that they disbelieved it was the fact they were so astounded by the fact that this thing too good to be true a 12 year old girl had been risen from the dead now I'm telling you I'm considering the month of May. We've done it before. We're going to do it again. This is a month of miracles in this house. And I feel with everything that's in me that God's got some too good to be true. Oh, hallelujah. Waiting on some people in this house. And if you'll come with the spirit of expectancy like we taught on Wednesday night, there is no telling what God can do in your life. Come, somebody say amen to that. I could literally stand here and tell you biblical experiences. For another 30 minutes. But these experiences are not limited to the Bible. God is the same powerful, loving, grace-giving, bestowing God today that He was in Bible times. You've already heard a couple of my TGTBT stories, experiences that I've experienced. Maybe, Maybe for you it was return of a loved one from the war. Or you received a telegram informing you of an imminent return of a lost son or a husband or a daughter or a wife until you saw them with your own eyes and it was even hard to take it in then I've been down to the Spurs game before and they, they, they love the military down there and they have fathers come in from overseas sometime surprise the wife and kids and they bring them through the, through the tunnel and, and it, 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 just, it puts goosebumps on me because it's a too good to be true moment and God said I want to establish that in somebody's life this month the month of May right here in Austin Texas Perhaps it could be you went to the doctor and, you, and the doctor said, you're in, you're in remission. The doctor said, the tumor is gone. And you heard those words. You even saw the x-rays. But the news was so good and so amazing, it's still difficult to take in. Job said in the 42nd chapter, it's too wonderful for me there's some things that's just too wonderful for me and I'm preaching about a God that can make things so wonderful for you hallelujah that you cannot describe it with words you can't describe it with your own intellect you just have to say oh Lord I feel so joyously amazed even though I doubt even though I I have a disbelief but I'm excited about it because I can't believe it's too good to be true in my life would you clap your hands and say that's what God's going to give us in our life You heard the words. You're healed. Joyce Tenney is My Girl Friday. She's from the movie, My Girl Friday. She didn't make the movie, but I called her that from the movie. She's 87 years old. Her breathing got hard. And she thought she had blockage, and she couldn't walk to the kitchen and back to the office without having to sit down and take a rest break. She went into the doctor, and the doctor said, Your arteries are clear as they can be, there's no blockage. She came out of there, and she's here Friday. I said, you don't need to come in Friday. You just had some tests. She said, I'm fine. Thank you very much. I'll be there. That's how she talks to me. And she showed up, and she said, Pastor, it's just such great news. You know what it is? It's too good to be true. Or maybe you just had a reconciliation of a broken relationship. The other person called you or wrote you a letter and asked you for forgiveness or maybe your heart was moved. And you softened. and you're the one that made the first move. In any event, you've been seeking God's help in this situation for years and finally it happened. A bridge has been built. Repairs have been made. And the relationship you really thought was over, it's too good to be true. Or perhaps you've been delivered from the power of addiction. Yeah. Like alcohol and drugs or tobacco. And your brain, you know it's possible for these addictions to be overcome through the power of God. But you've been a slave to the addiction for so long. It really hasn't sunk into you yet that you're, you hadn't had a drink in 10 years. Or you hadn't had a cigarette in the last 10 days. Or maybe for you it was your conversion experience. When God set you free. When God came into your life and you were born again. Or someone that you've been praying for for a long time came to Jesus. I'm here to declare there's some too good to be true moments Are going to occur in this church this month. Come on, you need to get ready for them. Lift your hands and say, I receive it. I receive it today. You need to get ready for it. What time is it, Patty? (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) When you consider our awesome and holy God loved us enough to come to earth in the flesh and die for us we who compare it to god's wholeness are so utterly utterly sinful that really it's too good to be true that he would love us turn to your neighbor and say god's been good to me and then say god loves you bunches a pastor friend of mine walked into a hospital one day to check on a lady that was gravely ill And he went to the nurse's station and the head nurse there greeted him. He didn't identify himself as a pastor. He wasn't in preacher clothes. He was just in his jeans and a shirt. And asked how the lady was doing and asked what room she was in. And the head nurse informed him that the lady was not doing well at all. But then she stopped and paused and said this. She's an unsaved woman. She had never darkened the door of a church. She said, but I hear she goes to a certain church here in town. And if she does go to that church here in town, I know one thing, she'll walk out of here soon. And the pastor said he felt goosebumps go all over him. Because he knew that that woman went to the church that he pastored. So he goes to the car, didn't even go to the room, didn't even go to the room, was all overwhelmed, goes to the car, he cries a while, then he gets outside and just starts dancing beside the car. Because he said when that woman gets out, she's going to come to the church that still preaches healing. When that woman gets out, she's going to come to the church that still preaches deliverance from everything. When that woman gets out, she's coming to our church. and she, he said, I was so happy and yet so sad that a woman that didn't even know God knew more about the church that I pastored than I had been preaching lately. And this week, God woke me up again and said, Son, do you know that I want to baptize Christian Life Church this month with something greater than you've ever imagined in your life? You prayed for it in January. You prayed for it during the Holy Week. You're here every day praying for it. Do you know I want to bless that congregation? And I said, yeah, Lord. And I went to my car yesterday when I finished up, and I wept in my car. Then I got outside like my friend did and danced a little bit beside the car. And here I am today saying, if it's too good to be true, it's probably God. You need to open up your heart and receive what God has for your family. Receive what God has for your home. Receive what God has for your marriage. Receive what God has for your life. i got to quit. <laughs> then Jesus, or Luke wraps up Luke 24. And he said to them in verse 46 through 49, Thus it's written, this is Jesus' words, and thus it's necessary for Christ to suffer and to die, rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name in all nations. Begin at Jerusalem. And you're witnesses of these things. And then he said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. The second coming of the Lord, folks is not about a faith project. It's a fact. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not about faith. It's a fact. It all hinges on His Word. Jesus said it. I believe it. That settled it. But Jesus has sat down with some of you lately. You've come to the altar You've knelt at your home in prayer and said to you when you received him, I want to know if you're ready to move forward with me. Are you in this for the long haul? Are you in this for a lifetime? I will not date you just to date. I've got too much at stake. I need to know. I paid a price for you, and you said yes to that. And you know what Jesus did when you got in your car that Sunday and went home after you said yes to his call? The first thing he did was go around the hall before he departed and did a little dance because heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. And the next thing he did, he went and got you a gift. And he's been carrying it for a while. And he's waiting on you to say those words. He's waiting on you to ask him for something. Because he's got you a gift. He's a whole lot better husband than I am. He's a greater bridegroom than you could ever imagine. You guys think you're cool. You ought to see how cool Jesus is in his bridegroom. And he's got you a gift. He's waiting on you just to sit down one day at a table and say, Jesus, I love you. I love you more than anything in this world. I don't want any other lovers. I don't want any other attractions. I don't want anything bigger in my life than you. I love you. He's going to reach under the table. He's going to bring out a gift. And it won't be a watch. Oh, it's just a spousal because one day we're going to all marry him in heaven. (laughs) It's just an engagement gift. But it's not going to be this. It's going to be something called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Every man, woman, boy, and girl needs to be baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you know what? If you'll just tell him you're in this for the long haul and you love him and he's your king and there's nobody else in your life, he'll give you a gift like you've never known in all your life. And it's got joy and it's got peace and it's got contentment and it has happiness and it has all the things that you need in your life. It is joy unspeakable and it is full of glory and there's not any gift like it in the whole world. And for the next three Sundays or four Sundays, I'm going to be introducing something to you, to some of you that have never been introduced to it. There's a gift. There's an engagement gift waiting on you. When you decide you're in this thing for the long haul, it's too good to be true. The disciples couldn't even describe it. But it's the baptism being filled with the Holy Ghost. My grandfather received it in a cornfield. My dad received it at the door of a church. I received it in an altar. You can receive it in a car. You can have it at your office. Anytime you look across that desk or across that seat of that car and say, Jesus, I hope you're riding there because I want you to know I love you. You might ought to pull the car over. You're about to have something in your life. He won't, he, he, won't, he won't hang around when you want to date everybody else. But when you want him and you want to be engaged to him and you want to get married to him someday, he'll say, I got something for you. I got something for you. Everybody say it's too good to be true. But it is true the baptism of God's Spirit is still alive and well. And I'm glad I still go to a church that preaches that the Holy Ghost is still alive today. And it's His finest hour. Would you stand all over the house? Clap your hands for the Word today. Clap your hands for the Word today. Clap your hands for the Word today. Amen. 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 Now, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands, Randy, if you'll help me. I'm going to ask you to lift your hands all over the building. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Lord, Lord. the pastor's talked to me today. and He's told me something that's too good to be true. So it must be God. Now, Lord, I'm talking now what the pastor's saying. But when I go home today... I want to talk to you about what I'm saying. Lord, I'm dismissing every everybody out of my life, every past love, every attraction, everything that would keep me from having this relationship with you. I love you, Jesus. I want to be your bride. That's all it takes. That's all. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Come on, that's all it takes. And then just back up and watch God come down with the gift that he's been holding since you first said yes. I will follow after you. It's time to tell him he's the only one that matters in your spiritual walk. There's nothing else matters. Jesus, You're the reason for it all. Bow your heads. Father, I love you today. And I thank you for the blessing and the gift that you have promised to give us. Thank you for right now. Thank you for the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Thank you right now because the time is right. This is going to be a miracle month. And there's going to be some things that are too good to be true happen this month to the people in this house. You're a great God nobody like you and I address you as my heavenly father and address you as my big brother but also address you as the bridegroom of my life I am in the bride I am going to be in the bride because you have given me and baptized me with something awesome you've given me the gift of engagement your wonderful spirit Lord baptize every hungry soul in this house in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Clap your hands real big.